go. Bienvenue. Welcome back to French Football Weekly, the podcast. My name is Chris. I'm your host. It's been a while, hasn't it, listeners? It's been a while. But we are back in your ears, the safest place for us to be. It's been a long summer. Um, we've had lots going on in terms of the, uh, the ladies game, which Phil will fill us in on towards the end of the pod if you're English you'll probably know all about that if you're not you might want to forget it don't know we shall see as far as the men's goes it's been a quiet summer it's the quiet summer before the storm because if you didn't already know if you've been living under a rock uh Liga is back this weekend and of course we've got a world cup in what three months good lord it's going to be it's going to be an interesting season that's for sure and uh, we will do our very best to keep across it so we wanted to come to you before the start of the season with a preview pod. In order to do that, I'm going to need some people to help me. So, mentioned already, we have Phil back on board. Phil, how are you doing? Good summer? I am, I am well. It is hot. I am, I am relaxing. Splendid. For those who don't know, you're in France. Um, what is it like? Uh, we've had a, a, it's been a, a mild 30 degrees today, but it's usually 35-ish. So I'm staying inside as much as possible. Toasty. It's very sweaty, humid and gross here. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that's the same in Brighton right now, Jez. Would that be fair to say? Um, I'm in London. I'll be in Brighton in two or three hours. Ah. But, uh, yeah, it <laughs> describes where I am at the moment. Yeah. Describes me. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel your pain I, I went out for a lunchtime run and i came back just soaked it's gross and it's been raining here in in plymouth on the south coast so um it's still very humid but um enough about the weather we've got a special guest this evening and um we may well be hearing from him a little bit more throughout the season as we uh, expand our web uh, across uh, across the country shall we say um you may know him from uh, being former professional footballer. You may also know him from BT Sports coverage. Uh, he is named Mr. Adam Virgo. Adam, welcome to the show and um, thanks for joining us this evening. Oh, thanks for having me on. I'm very surprised to have the BT logo attached to me and, and being asked on the show. So I feel very privileged. <laughs> no, we love having the coverage. And that's it. Um, and we and we're very happy to have you. So we're you. Uh, we're very pleased to welcome you. And as I say at the start of the show, we will hope to have you on a few times this season where time permits. Because I know you're a busy man. But yes, thank you very much for coming aboard. Um, what we are going to do then is we're going to go through. A lot's happened over the summer. A lot of players have come and gone in terms of transfer their ins and outs. I'm going to do my best to summarise. And we'll probably splice those in as we go through the teams. Um, we're not going to go through every team individually because we literally be here forever. We're just going to kind of focus on a few individual teams and, and a few clusters of teams. So, of course, we are going to have to start with, with the beer moth, uh, aren't we? So, oh, I'm going to pick on you, Jez. Why not? PSG. Um, they've got some lovely new kits this season, which is lovely. Uh, they've got a lovely forward line. They've got arguably the best player in the world signed to a new contract. Of course, Killian is staying and it appears they seem to be shipping a few people out. One thing I didn't mention, of course, is they've got a new manager. Christophe Gaultier is in place. I'm not going to ask you if they're going to be Liga champions, because I think we're probably all going to agree that that is likely to be the case this season. But are you impressed or are you significantly interested enough by the business they've done this summer that they could mount that? Oh, so important European challenge this season. So, so I'm a little bit 
a little bit of both. I'm I'm impressed with with what they're doing, and I'm really interested. And in, I think for the first time in a while, I'm quite intrigued by what they're going to do. Um, but I don't know if they're ready for for a, a good Champions League till I think maybe sort of a year or two of transition. But I I really like what they're doing. They seem to be um, kind of trying to to get back to some sort of French core or you know a little bit more Frenchness within the club. Obviously, they've got Gautier on the bench. All his backup staff are French. Um, they're investing in in younger players like Ekitike and and um, Mukieli, who's still relatively young, who are French. Um, I read last week that um, El Shaddai Batshuabi, the the 16-year-old who's who's made his debut last year, who is French, um, apparently was taking Spanish lessons in order to be able to speak to his new teammates, which is insane if you're playing for a French team. So I'm glad that they sort of changing tack on that aspect and maybe trying to sort of break the... Um, south american or hispanic stranglehold over the team and you know certainly judging by what we've seen in in pre-season and in the um champions trophy at the weekend although it wasn't a great against a great non team i think things are looking good on the pitch as well i think messi's looking much sharper than he did for any of last season neymar is looking interested i think it's sort of maybe a little bit chastening for him that it's quite clear PSG would happily get rid of him, but it's also quite clear that no one else particularly wants him. So, you know, maybe that's a, a sort of kick up the arse for him. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, I think a couple of the the players from last year, like Nuno Mendes, has, have really grown into, into their role. And I think Vitinha looked like a good signing in that there was actually a bit of um, sort of link up between Verratti in deep midfield and the attack so I think he could prove to be a really good signing so yeah I think everything looks positive there at the moment I just you know on in terms of Champions League this is all very very new to Galtier I think um, as soon as any there's any kind of dip in form I think he'll probably start getting a lot of criticism um, and over the course of a long season, we have to see whether the likes of Messi and Neymar really maintain their interest and fitness and form, you know, until the money time in March and April. But I just, yeah, as I said, I think this is the most interesting PSG for quite a while now. Yeah. yeah. Portuguese would have made more sense. You'd kind of think because of the Brazilian element and the the Spanish... The Portuguese yeah. element. And the Portuguese. Yeah, because they've got, what, Mendes, Virginia... There's, there's six... Portuguese or Brazilians, or seven if you include one of their eight goalkeepers they have listed. They've got they've got rid of two this summer. Volker's gone to Nice, and Ariola's confirmed to West Ham. So they have got rid of a couple. And I think I think it's fairly safe to say Kalo Navas is probably going to be on the first boat out once he gets a new club because he's not happy, is he, in terms of uh, being told that he will very much be second choice. But um, yeah, uh, interesting. Um, choices. Uh, oh, yeah. If you add in the Argentinians, obviously. Yes. That well, would, one that would be eight. Then one's gone. De, they are demorialists for the new season, um, and probably the one that surprised me the most, Xavi Simmons, has, has also left. He went to PSV Eindhoven. I think he was man of the match in there. Dutch um, charity shield win over Ajax of the night. So good luck to him. And then I think as Jazz alluded to, incoming Mukiele. I think it's an underrated signing. Actually, I like him a lot. Ex Montpellier, um, indeed, yeah. 
Uh, Hugo Ekitike, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good signing. It's an exciting signing. What it means for Callum Wendo, who's come back from Lens, is anyone's guess. Bit of an odd one, that one. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, Pitinia Nuno Mendes, permanent. Rafinha, I believe, is now permanent, although it seems like they're trying to get rid of him, so I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. Um, well, let me ask you, Adam, what, what do you make of, of PSG? I mean, are you... Oh, I'm going to give you a loaded gun here. Um, do, do you kind of enjoy seeing them domestically when you when you get to cover them on, on the telly? Because in terms of their games in Liga, it really is kind of down to the Marseille games, maybe the odd Monaco game, maybe the odd Lyon game. But it, it is a little bit of that, well, what PSG are we going to get tonight? The ones that are interested or the ones that aren't. But was it interesting for you to, to have that first season last year, watching the likes of Messi, Neymar, etc., and the fact that Killian's staying... Do they still kind of float your boat in terms of watching them domestically? Well, they do because the troubles off the field have sometimes come onto the field. And, you know, you saw the fans last season, you know, protest and, and boo some of the players when they play at home. I, I always find the away games are much more enjoyable because you see a game like, say, Strasbourg last season when they drew 3-3, the Monaco away game where they got absolutely humiliated 3-0. They, they seem to be more interesting games. I think sometimes, as you, you've alluded to, they do go through the motions at home because teams play quite defensive against them. So the way that they have played, especially with Kylian Mbappe down the middle, um, sometimes the home games can be a foregone conclusion. Um, but, you know, I agree with Jez in terms of the structure with Leonardo, not Eberhelm now. I think Gautier for me is the right choice because I think the one thing that he's done when you see him at Lille in particular and you see at Nice last season, he improves players and players even at Neymar and Messi's standards. When you look at the likes of Klopp and Guardiola, they improve the world-class players to go on to that next level. It might only be 5%, but they're the, they're the percentage barriers that you need, especially in those Champions League games. Um to get themselves over the line. We know attacking-wise that they can score goals very, very well. Defensively, they can be got out, particularly out wide with crosses coming into the box. It was a real area of concern for them last season. They conceded a lot of goals like that. And I think the defensive unit that Galtier has shown at Nice and at Lille when he won the title, and he always seemed to have um, PSG's card. When he played against them, he seemed to know how to break them down every single time. Um, and I think he deserves a chance. I think when you look at what he's pr produced... Um, he's been very consistent. Um, I think the one area that is a double-edged sword is that his European record, I wouldn't say he's magnificent, um, but they've had serial winners before coming in that have done well in Europe and not managed to get PSG over the line. So I think I agree with Jeremy. I think this season will be the season that I'm most interested in to see how they all connect and, and the young players that they've signed coming in to see how they can improve as a, as a team. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. Could, could not have added to that any better myself. So um, we're all going to just say PSG have won the league, uh, pack up and go home. No, we're not. Um, let's have a look at the challenges then. I'm going to try and group three of these together and then maybe another three after that. So um, first of all, I'll try my best to go down the business of Monaco, Marseille, and I'm going to throw Leon into the mix. So Monaco have, um, they've not been... Quiet in terms of players that have come in. Um, but it does a, a, sort of a bit of a random bunch of interesting signings. Minamino is probably the big one coming from, from Liverpool. Breland Bolo from Borussia Mönchengladbach is coming as a centre forward as well. It's kind of exciting, actually. I quite like him. Um, they have also departed or a couple of departures. 
Um, Pellegrini uh, Lecomte went to uh, Espanol on the permanent deal. That's a weird one. Didn't even notice that. Says Fabregas, of course. He did is... five to Brighton the weekend. Did he really? Crikey. <laughs> Trust you to know that. Um, but yeah, their, their business looks sort of, I would say, fair to middling. Marseille, on the other hand, uh, well, lots has happened at Marseille this summer. They've got a new manager and Sam Paoli went full Sam Paoli and should never go full Sam Paoli. He's off or he has gone. Igor Tudor has come in. Those fans of Serie A will know him from Hellas Verona um, and being a no-nonsense compromising defender back in his day. Their business has been pretty significant as well. Um, Steph Mondonda has finally left Marseille. He's gone to Rennes. Bubacar Camera, we knew, went to Aston Villa. Um, Perran left to Strasbourg. Luis Enrique is gone. Uh, Luan Perez is gone. Alvaro Gonzalez contracts terminated. Business in doesn't look bad. And Bemba from Porto. Um, they've also brought in Jonathan Klaus from Lens, who arguably was one of the best defenders in the league last season. Ruben Blanco from Celta Vigo, Nuno Tavares from Arsenal. Uh, interesting one, that one. Um, and uh, Issa Toure from Le Havre. He's about eight foot ten. He's absolutely massive. But they have, of course, lost William Saliba, who we all know is the greatest defender in world football. Um, also due to sign Verity. Yeah, I saw that today. Yeah. Yeah. Did, you say, did you say Alexis Sanchez? Are they... um, I haven't, but that is on the cards, isn't it? He's he's yeah. going through a mutual termination. That sounds dodgy with with Inter. So he sounds like the next one off the line. Conscious um, uncoupling. Say again. Mute, mutual termination. Conscious yeah, well, uncoupling. Yes, uh, I. I uh, there's so many. There's so many of these players in in European clubs that seem to have this mutual. Uh, decoupling from clubs going on this season. I can't keep up with who's a free agent and who's not. But um, actually, speaking of which, to look at Leon's business, um, two of their big signings in the summer, uh, it, it's back to the future, Marty. We've got Alexandra Lacazette has returned um, and, and looks twice the player again. Funny old world, isn't it? But he's gone back to Leon, as indeed has Quantum Deliso left Bayern on a free. So they've come back in. They've completed the deal for Tete from Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, Tagli Fico is an interesting one from Ajax, the left back. Um, but they have lost a fair few. Leo Dubois to Galatasaray. That, that was a strange one. Endombele um, has gone back to Spurs for now. Emerson back to Chelsea for now. And they've also lost a couple of fringe players. So digesting all that, uh, Phil, let me ask you, of those three clubs, and you can say mm. none if you like, but do any of, of Lyon, Marseille and Monaco tickle your fancy to to be the one behind PSG or even challenge PSG? I, I'm not sure we're going to see challenge this year. I know, obviously, Monaco managed it a couple of seasons back, but PSG, as the guys were saying earlier, it's interesting. It, Hopefully, with Galtier in place, it will be a bit more organised. Not sure any of us see them not doing it. So it's going to be who's on the podium. And just with you know, more changes at Marseille, with Sampaoli out, Tudor in, etc. have to think that maybe they're going to, uh, they're all going to be in a bit of flux, as it were with the managerial changes, et cetera. So maybe Leon are actually in the best place to kind of do something about it this season. But then we all know that Leon can Leon. And 
while I think it's good that Lacazette, bees notwithstanding, and Tolisso are back to somewhere that loves them and where they worked before, maybe this is a case of you shouldn't go back. It's going to be interesting to see how those two work out, whether that is a good idea of them going back to where they worked best or whether it's just trying to recreate something that Leon have had to move on from. So I think all three of them are going to be a bit interesting at the beginning of the season because we don't know how all of that's going to pan out. So it's going to be in the first couple of weeks who can kind of put their foot on the pedal the best early on and, and see how they, they get on. So uh, I say those are you know going to be the three chasers, but as we saw last year, there's going to be somebody else up there who, who uh, causes some trouble, but who the hell that's going to be, I don't know. Yeah, well, I've got one name that I'm going to throw into the mix in a second, but um, one th- probably the biggest surprise, uh, maybe of the summer for me, is the fact that, that Leon decided to not make a managerial change. I don't know whether it was due to lack of available options or what, but that did strike me as it seemed for all the world that that he was going to be gone. Um, but he's not, so, you know, it is what it is. One thing's for sure, he's going to be under pressure. Um let me just quickly, I'll ask you, Adam, just on Marseille, just as a one quick focus on one of those three clubs. Are they probably one of the most sort of fun watches, if you will, just you alluded to the PSG situation and off the pitch. Um, it, it might, it, this could go really badly, couldn't it, Igor Tudor? I mean, he's already fallen out with Bamba Diang and, and a couple of others. Um, there's quite a few big personalities in that squad. Marseille are not the fan base to kind of be patient, I think it's fair to say. Is that going to be fireworks, do you think, this season with, with the Marseilles? Yeah, I mean, they, they, I think they're a club that, I must admit, I think overachieved last season. I think with the squad of players that Sam Pauli had at his, at his helm and, you know, you're playing the likes of Rangier at right back and, you know, that you didn't really see a lot of goals and it's still so dependent on Payet, uh, Payet sorry, in that final third in terms of to create goals and score goals, even at his age, I thought actually he played his best football since that run they got to the Europa League final um, from, from last season. You know, Milik fitted in and out of the squad, whether Sampaoli and him just didn't click together or feel that um, he wasn't in you know the right... Because they want to press, you know, they're, they're a team that play with high energy. Um, so it's always going to be interesting. Listen, any, any manager that comes in is always going to be a risk and... Eagle Tudor is certainly one of those that has come from a, you know, a club that's, you know, so I don't watch loads of Serie A, but there's nowhere near the expectation of what Marseille expect this season from them. Um, you know, Kamara was always going to be a player that we always knew that they were going to lose. You know, I like Klaus coming in. I think as if you lose him, Frankowski last season were, were unbelievable for Lons in terms of the way that they, they played as fullbacks. You know, it was a real identity of, of Lance, especially at home. Um, but they, they've got a serious chance, but the expectation's going to be there again. I mean, the last time they were in the Champions League, it was an absolute disaster in terms of that. But it just seems that there's always going to be problems left, right and centred. You've already mentioned there that you know the fan base is always going to be edgy. They're never going to withhold. You know, you don't really get many opportunities and, and chances there. The manager's already had a few hits with a few players already. So, you know, the, the tempo of the going into the season is, is, is certainly interesting to see. Um, but... 
you know, they're, they're a side that are always going to be competitive. Um, whether they can push Paris Saint-Germain um, will certainly be soon to tell. But they're certainly being the cluster of teams, as we saw last season, that Champions League running was, was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I think you make some uh, some valid points in terms of um, <laughs> what Marseille playing players out of position and, and also they, they really need to get off to a good start, you feel, to to be able I'm, to um, to challenge. I'm Sorry, Jesse. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm worried about them, about the atmosphere that's there already. It just yeah. everything at Marseille seems to be, you know, either everything's brilliant or everything's terrible. And at the moment it's sort of veering towards terrible and, and um yeah, he's fallen out with a couple of players, fallen out with Gerson, who I thought at the end of last season was really hitting the the form that we sort of expected to see from him all through the year. And and basically that they're, they're entirely reliant on him and Payet for um their sort of creativity. So if he's falling out with one of them and Payet reportedly has sort of led a delegation of players who who've gone to complain to Longoria about Tudor's training and tactics and everything already. So a lot of that really doesn't bode well. So um, you know, those three teams you mentioned, I think for different reasons, they all really need to start the season well, because I think all managers, well, Tudor's only arrived, but considering it seems that the players already aren't necessarily behind him, he's going to be under pressure. As you said, um, the Lyon manager, I keep wanting to call him Ten Hag, Bosch. Um, Peter Bosch, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, arguably is lucky to to be there at all. And mm. even Clement, there were rumours at some point near the end of last season that, that Monaco wanted to get rid of him. So I think all three really need to start the season well and, and have got that extra bit of pressure on them. Yeah, I, I think, sorry, just jump in. I think when you saw when, when Monaco won the league, even though that squad was probably arguably, you know, a ridiculous talent that was there, but you saw that Lille team. PSG will give you a chance. It's just how, when that chance is given to you. And then and you're right, if you start the season poorly and they've got an eight-point gap come the end of August, then it's game over. But if you can keep with them and you've got those games against them, you know, if Gautier can sometimes, you know, if you see with Paris Saint-Germain sometimes, that you know, that they... That, they weren't great last season, you know. If it wasn't for killing Mbappe, I think, you know, they, I think the league would have been a lot, lot closer. So there is an element. There'll always be a chance. But listen, it's going to be a long. You have to play out your skin for the whole season, as Monaco did, and as Lille did. And it's so important that these teams, you know, progress well in Europe and balance that with league, with the league form. Then who knows? But you know, as Jeremy said, you, they have to start the season well. And two out of the three of them have still got the same managers. I think Boss will. will you know, especially with Leon, um, you know, they, they were poor last season, you know, especially in the league. It was it was a difficult watch for, for for the majority of that. So, you know, they've got some fresh blood that's come in. They've got some old experience that's come back in. Um, I think Kakaday will be a big miss for them with his injury, but hopefully he can come back stronger and more experienced. But it's, it's they have to start well. Yeah, yeah, completely agree with that. Um, Jez, I'll come back to you with another cluster of clubs. Uh, see Nice at Lille. And Ren, um, I'm going to group those together in, in a batch. Uh, very quick kind of ins and outs. Nice is interesting. Uh, Aaron Ramsey is is one that jumps off the page. They've just, I think, today completed Casper Schmeichel um, because Walter Benitez has moved on. Uh, Viti is another lad from Empoli, I believe, in, in Italy. They're, they've been busy. They've been busy. Some decent signings there. Um, in terms of uh, Lille, they've also been quite busy. If I can find their business, there we go. Um, Mohamed Bayo from Clermont Foot is probably the one that I think is, is the most exciting. But Remy Cabela, God bless him, has 
popped up at another club. So he's there. Jonas Martin has come in as well. Zidanka from Claremont Foot. Also, they've, they've raided Claremont Foot, haven't they? They have lost Seki Celik and they've lost Bedaric. And looking down the list, Sven Botman, of course, is the other big one. And uh, rather surprisingly to me, Shaka's contract was was also uh, nulled, which um, surprised me a little bit. Burak Mjolmaz maybe less so. And to round off that group of three, Ren, um, Tiete coming in from, from Serie A, I believe he's the Belgian defender. High, high reviews for him, so it could be a decent signing. But it's mainly been about outs um, this, this particular summer. Nathan Aguil has gone to West Ham. Martin, we just mentioned, uh, Lea Saliki, I think that's pretty much the main ones. Of those three clubs, uh, which, which which one of the three do you fancy, if any, to be in those sort of European places or hunt? And of course, a couple have got European football this season. Is it is it Nice that stand out of those three for you or have you got a different opinion? No, I mean, um, the frustrating thing with these previews every year is that it always depends on who's still at the club yeah. by the end of the transfer window. And and it's sort of gone quiet on all of them. But at the start of the summer, uh, all the fuss was about Terrier, Bourgeois, Laborde, where in England they're going to go to. Yeah, and at the moment, as far as I know, they're all still at Rennes. And mm. I think if Rennes can keep um, the, the players they've got at the moment together and keep, I think, a lot more consistency... Um, than the other two teams who've had a lot more disruption, then I think they could be well-placed, arguably even more so than the three clubs that we just mentioned before to, to be closest to PSG come the end of the season. I think Aguerd is a miss, but I think they've done very well to get what they got from West Ham for him. Um, West Ham today is signing Anana from Lille for a crazy amount of money as well, yeah. which I'm a bit surprised at. Um, Mattis Tell will probably prove to be a loss, but it's not exactly a loss from from Ren's current playing, current starting 11, because he's, he's only 17, 18, so he hasn't really broken properly into the team yet. So if they can keep that sort of exciting attacking um, formation that they had from last year, and then, as you said, someone like Teart sort of slots in and, and replaces um Rodon, Roden. I don't know how to pronounce oh, English Rudy. player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welsh, um, Jess. Well, they'll, they'll throw bricks at us if we don't that <laughs> Sorry, Welsh, yeah. British, British. Um, um, yeah, the, uh, I think he's those two, if they can come in and fit in and sort of replace Aguerd seamlessly, I think that that's strong. Um, Abilene, like Tell, I think another one that, that you know maybe is ready to break through. So um, I think they could be best placed. Nice and Lille, um, I know Adam saw Lille the other day and was a bit worried about them. And I just, I, I think Botman especially is a huge loss and, and it's putting a lot of pressure on, on Bio. Again, you know, Jonathan David's there at the moment, but will he still be there come September? Yeah. Um, it puts a lot of pressure, I think, on the attack to be a lot more clinical than they have been or than they were last year, because I don't think the defence will be anywhere near as strong. And Nice, I think, could go either way. I think, as you said, there's been a lot of coming and going, including the manager, obviously. Yeah, and we know that Favre. from last time that Favre was there, he did a great job with the team, like playing really good football. And, and you know, the likes of um, Mendy and Seri. I saw Seri playing for Hull the other day, which is kind yeah. of 
with all due respect to Hull, and I've got a good friend who's, who's a season ticket holder, but, you know, he was supposed to be Barcelona's next, you know, next shabby, and, and now he's playing for Hull within two, three years. So it shows that Favre does have a big effect on some of these players. So a lot depends on how quickly both he and a lot of newcomers settle. Um, but I feel like maybe by the time they do, I think they'll probably finish the season strongly, but there might be a few growing pains. So of those three, I think clearly Ren are in the best position, assuming they hold on to who they've got now. And yeah, as I said, I, I think they could finish ahead of one, two, or even all three of, of the three we discussed before, Marseille, Lyon, Monaco. Marseille, Lyon, Monaco. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in terms of uh, this is the, the trouble with doing preview shows and this is why all the windows should be closed before we do previews because we just never know it can change in a week. Uh, teams or, or clubs can, you can lose three or four players and it's all changed, but we can only go by what is in front of us. Um, in the interest of time, I'm not going to go through all the transfers of all the clubs, by the way, I just wanted to highlight the the top clubs. Um, um, but if, if I could just mention one for Lille. Um, yeah. They've apparently got someone back on loan called Capita, who I'm pretty sure is actually some form of energy company. (laughs) Possibly a union. I'm not sure. But anyway, the the idea that Jonas Martin and Rami Cabela, who are now both 32, which surprises me because I always think of them as being, you know, young whippersnappers, are going to be joining up again after their... Montpellier exploits to have some Lille exploits that's going to be an interesting watch for me but possibly not what they actually need mm. so we will ben, see Ben Arthur didn't work out too well did it last season in the end so um, who'd, have, who'd have seen that should coming stayed, in should have stayed at me or, or just stayed somewhere and actually made a go of it but yeah the enigma that keeps coming I, I will say this on Nice they, they win the kit of the season awards that's a beauty that home kit oh oh i like that anyway before i get too excited um i want to stick with you phil because i want to come down the other end of the table uh actually right sorry (laughs) right to the right to the very very bottom which hopefully your your boys will not be around but who do you feel might struggle this season we've we've obviously got some promoted clubs to enjoy this season we've got osea returning to the top flight and long overdue we've got uh Jaxio, are back happy days and we've also got to lose i think everyone's favorites to come back up we've lost some big names going down to league last season but yeah we've inherited three new ones is there any others that you would throw into the mix that are really going to struggle this season based upon what you've seen again business pending i i don't know like i say every year i don't watch the transfer market because i find it depressing so i'm kind of a bit shaky on um who's actually where in terms of strengthening and stuff i mean you have to say with the uh promoted clubs i don't know if you've seen the cage that um ajatio have constructed for the away fans looks like mm-hmm. something out of that night advert where they're all on a ship and cantonars <laughs> yeah. Pissing around with a cane. Anyway, um, you got to think they're going to struggle. But they brought Roman Omuma in. I never thought he'd leave South Etienne. No. Um, um, and with Thomas Mangani coming yeah. in as well, that is, I think, a very good move. I mean, he's getting on a bit, but whatever. Yeah. So I think they are kind of setting out to take this 
seriously, as it were. Um, there doesn't appear to be in that much movement to Auxerre. Um, but looking at the others, I'm impressed. I've, I've brought a few people in. They've got Pierre Lise Malou, uh, Norwich, who I think is better than that price tag and possibly should never have left in the first place. Um, will this be Clermont's year to have a bit of a problem? They've made some good money. Um, with, obviously, we mentioned Bayer going to Lille uh, and a couple of other departures, but that might be uh, a slightly problematic situation, um, maybe looking at who's going to be down at the bottom. So... I'm intrigued by Angers this year because yeah. they made some really good signings um, and they've got some very good young players coming through, but they've also lost about a thousand more probably or a lot more than a thousand professional matches worth of mainly defense but also midfield. Um, they've also lost this. Ali Cho up front, they've also lost Adam's favorite player, Fulgini. Yeah, <laughs> I like him too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they have, haven't they? they like Jimmy Cabo going up. I mean, he was kind of a solid. Yeah, and and, and get must be getting on a bit. Trial Ray Moss or um, Thomas um, Mangani. That that's a lot, a lot. Hoken to Casima Passa as well. Casimir uh, Ninga. Do you remember when he burst onto the scene? Good lord, that's Casimir Ninga. He's a winger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, and you mentioned Mangani. He has a lot of turnover of players there. Yeah, that right, is just a... very quickly because I actually need to leave. But I just want to ask Chris a quick question because it seems there's a few Arsenal loanees or former players going yes. to come up this year. Like Ramsey, Lacazette. Um, Balogun. He's the one for me. Sure, there's and Tavares. I don't know if there's any others. Which of those do you think will succeed? Which do you think will fail? Um, Balogun is the one that, that kind of excites me because with with Rams losing Ekitike, they, they needed a striker. My sort of slightly biased hat of being an Arsenal fan is like, oh, where are these players going to go? Are they going to play? I think I think Balogun. I, I would imagine anyway. Rouse are going to build their forward line around him. I think he'll get a lot of game time, and he is a player who just needs that. And, and although he did well at uh, Middlesbrough last season on loan, I think this sort of league is is better for him to really get his his stripes. And although league is just as probably as physical as the Championship, it's I think it's less competitive in the mid table area. I feel like I feel like Rams might actually get something out of him. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he will do. Tavares is, you just never know what you're going to get. He's just, um, there is talent there, but there's a lot of um, raw talent. I think his, his defensive side is not the best. Um, but he'll, I think he'll fit in quite well at Marseille. And the idea of him and Klaus on either side is quite exciting, I think. And like you said, yeah, Ramsey at Nice, obviously exiles from now, but quite interesting. And was there another one? Did you mention another one? Well, Lacazette. You oh, Lacazette, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, and, and do you know what? Like, I loved having him at Arsenal. I, I had a love affair with him, not literally, but for years when he was at Leon, and I, I got my wish to see him in, in my team's colours and I loved every minute of it. But it, it was time, you know, he he did look like he was running around the Emirates with a backpack on his back for the last six months. And he just looked rejuvenated and, and happy again at Leon. And it's kind of things you love to see, isn't it? So, yeah, but, but Balogun is the one for me. I, I'm really excited to see what, what Rams get out of him. And I hope it goes well, because if it doesn't, I'll look quite silly. 
Um, you need to nip off then, Jazz, yeah? Yeah, I do. Sorry. Not a problem. So we will catch up with you next week. But thank you for your input. And uh, no, all, the, all the pressure goes on to Adam now. Yeah. To lose in some form of financial difficulty, I know that sounds stupid, but I think every club under the top four is in financial difficulty in France because they don't appear to have done not a lot. No, um, they brought in a couple of players who I, I freely admit I haven't heard of. A couple from from uh, one from Switzerland, Alkmaar, Rotterdam, and Elfsborg Boras. Yeah, it's quite an eclectic mix, that isn't it? But they have got that, is it... that suggests a, a trolley dash. Yeah, unless they're just keeping the powder dry until the end of the, the transfer window, and maybe getting some younger players. Then they have got yeah. Van der Boomen was the player of the year in League 2 last season, wasn't he? he? Got an obscene amount of assists and goals. So if they can hang on to him, but yeah, I'm not aware of any financial difficulties, but. That said, a certain club called Bordeaux have had all those in the <laughs> summer. Um, I think they're just pleased stuff. to actually be in League Deux, aren't they? Yeah. After it, it was Absolutely it was up, on. down, up, down. It was like a game of, you know, one foot in, one foot out, rather True. than yeah, football admin over the summer. Horrible mess. Um, from, from what I remember, Toulouse, I've, I've read that they're, they're trying to sign players on data in terms of this, this new um, kind of... Uh-huh later way of trying to find players rather than necessarily going for names and stuff like that. So whether or not that's just taking a little bit of time to, to find yeah, the players. And, maybe, yeah. maybe that suggests Alkmaar, Rotterdam and Elsborg Boras. Yeah. Um, so I did wonder if it might be something like that. Somebody's crunching the numbers and those players run a lot, I suspect, or something yeah. along that, that line. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you do feel like clubs that are coming up, they just need to consolidate, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, completely agree. Just before we move on to another clutch of clubs that I'll give to you, Adam, um, on kit wars, um, Brest's away kit is a thing of beauty. Oh, my word. It's got, it's even got like a pirate flag on it. I mean, what more could you ask for from a kit? It's sensational. Anyway, enough I'm of that. I'm Googling right now. Oh, it's fantastic. It really is. Um, Adam, let me give you a sort of a cluster of clubs that, I'm hoping, because one of them is, is my club, I'm hoping they're going to be in that mid-table shuffle. Just just pick out three of them that intrigue me this season. Uh, Lorient, Nantes and Strasbourg. Any of those kind of float your boat in terms of uh, that maybe might make a little bit of a surprise this season? I mean, Lorient have got a new coach, a former player. Um, Strasbourg largely seem... I mean, they, they have... I think they let go of uh, Cassie, I think, has moved on. Um, Tom, they brought in Tom and Delen from, from Mets, much to Jez's chagrin. Colin Dagba's come in from PSG. They seem to have kept most of the names that, that got them to where they were last season. And then looking at uh, Nantes, who of course is going to be in European football this season, I believe they're straight into the group stage of the Europa League. I think I'm right in saying anyway. Um, they haven't been sort of busy, busy, but Musa Sissoko from Watford seems to be like that. That is the big signing. Who of those three are you most intrigued by? And, and you don't have to say Lorient, I, I promise. No, I won't, I won't say Lorient. I'll, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you um, dissect them if you want to. I, I, listen, I, I thought Lens last season were exciting to watch and, I, and I'd put Strasbourg in, in terms of that category as well. Um, I thought that Julian Stefan was, you know, especially the home game, especially, you know, I mentioned that Paris Saint-Germain one towards the back end of the season was, was a great watch for them. Um, I think they've been quite cute in terms of, 
you know, the signings that they brought in. You know, you mentioned Colin Dagba, Panan coming in from Marseille, um, Alou coming in from Monaco. I think that you, when you when you have good seasons like that, and you know, you see like Klaus moving, like, you you tend to lose your best players and players that have sort of been a, an, an eight and nine out of ten during the seasons. And I think for me, the expectation of them going again. Um, because when you have one of those good seasons where you stand out a million miles when you're not really expected to be there at the start of the season, um, you know, clubs sometimes find you out. And to do that again for a consecutive season is always going to be difficult because you tend to lose your best players. Whereas Strasbourg, I don't think of have fallen into that category too much where they've lost too many players. So I think the manager can then certainly build again. And I think that they could certainly be a team for me that, that certainly could stand out. I think Nantes performance against um, PSG in the in the weekend probably wasn't an escalate in terms of, of where they are as, as, as a club but um, but if I had to pick out of the three I think for me I think that Strasbourg could be a side to, to certainly watch this season because I think they'd learn from last season I think they'll become back a stronger team and the signings have made I think I think been quite cute. Mm. Yeah I, I, I think you're right and, and I kind of they're one of those clubs that I want to see do well if you know what I mean they're, they're just sort of they're just very likeable they're uh, um, you know a good old-fashioned name and in, in the season or the season before that we have lost as we mentioned Bordeaux and St Etienne it's nice to have a, a sort of quote-unquote traditional club um, doing well and, and, and overperforming I think it's probably fair to say like the uh, the Aston Villa of, of, of Liga, maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, for them to finish sixth last season was remarkable. To finish yeah. above Lyon, to finish above Lille. Yeah. Um, you know, Nantes as well. It, it, it's an incredible achievement just to be, I think, a few points behind Ren and Nice. And you spoke about how when, you know, I think they were three points behind Ren in fourth. Yeah. Five or six behind Monaco. So it was a remarkable season for them. And hopefully that that will continue to be again this season but whether or not clubs have worked them out to, to play against them might be a different matter yeah true and who doesn't love Ludovic Ajok I mean you, you just you can't not love Ludovic Ajok can you and just quickly before I go back to to fill on a slightly different topic uh, who do you worry about who who are your three maybe to to not to go down because that would be mean of me to just slander them at this stage but is there three clubs that you look at and go oh yikes yeah I mean the, the you know, the ones that you've come up have mentioned already. Um, you, you do worry about that. I mean, I saw the Orcs. I did the first leg of the Orcs air game against San Etienne and, you know, they, they were very competitive. Now, home record is going to be vitally important and any, anything that comes up, your home record is have to be there. Um, as it was mentioned, to lose this lack of investment um, is certainly worrying, um, but then sometimes you don't want to overspend and... And then all of a sudden you're left with massive bills if you do get relegated. So, I mean, the ones from last season, I agree with Jez, um, Angers are the ones for me. I thought they were, you know, that a lead brick behind their, on their ankle, you know, to the back end of that season. And you probably felt if there was another six or seven games left. I think they'd have been dragged right into it. Um, but for me, they're, they're the ones in particular. I think Trois are another one. And I think Clemens are the other teams from last season. I think Lorient will... I think certainly improved. I think you'll probably allude on them a little bit more from their form last year, but those three in particular, um, I, I, I worry about the ones that stayed up from last season. Yeah, yeah, great. Claremont are the one that they've lost their talisman. You know, they've lost Bayer and and yeah. I think Sedadka as well was an underrated uh, fullback who just gave them that attacking sort of 
uh, prowess down that right hand side. I think he's going to be a big loss as well. So, as with it's a cliche, but you need goals, don't you, when you're at this level? You and, yeah, uh, you do. And if you, you know, but I, as I said, I mentioned I watched the Lille game the other day in in Spain. Um, slight concern for them because the way that they played, he's playing with the three at the back and. He played Bayo down the middle and he played Jonathan David on the right-hand side and he was really playing in a defensive position and not playing down the middle. Now, whether or not that was just something um, Fonseca was trying, um, I hope it was. Um, but I, I just worry where their goals are going to come from this season if they don't play David down the middle because, um, you know, when Arthur Sanchez goes, that's another key player they're going to lose. Um, yeah. And... They had a poor end of last season and you know if you think that things go work bad to worse at Marseille and things that you know they they really fell off a cliff last year really poor defense of their title um so hopefully the game I saw that it was just more just trying things out um but if he starts like that then then I'm going to be slightly concerned yeah yeah you mentioned Ranzo Sanchez that's in the midst of being done apparently to PSG so uh, yet another overpowered player in the Parisian ranks. Interesting to see how he gets on there. Um, Phil, just on a slightly sort of outside um, standpoint, French French clubs in Europe this season as a whole, what are you kind of hoping to see? I mean, we, we always put the focus on PSG potentially trying to win the Champions League, but we saw Monaco in action last night. They drew one all in the qualifying game with PSV, so there's work to do for them. That's- but that's the third qualifying round. Yeah, in, in it, August. It feels like it should have been a European Cup semi-final. I know. A oh, while well, there's, I think the changes in the club structure, but also the European League's structure has really thrown up some of these kind of weird situations where you've got Europa Conference thingy, what's it, matchups, which could have been a final um a, a while back because some storied clubs as we've seen in Santa Etienne etc have have fallen so remind me which of them are in what because okay, no. now you've asked me I looked this up see, last night so you see this proves my point I know uh, you've got you've got Nantes um, are through as Coupe de France winners so they are in the Europa in the Europa League, sorry, yeah. In fact, you know, I'm going to just double check this. You've got Ren, you've got Monaco, you've got um, PSG. PSG. There's one I'm missing. Who am I missing? Marseille. Marseille, of course. Thank you. <laughs> who are who are into the Euro Europa League? Um, but I, yeah, it's it's complicated in terms of who gets into what. Hang on, I'm just checking it now. At what gets stage the- and where they might fall down into. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure that I'm. I'm pretty sure that looking at it the can bounce from all the way from C1 to C4. I'm pretty sure. I'm. I'm almost certain that there was that in looking at it last night that the all the French clubs were, especially in the Europa League and the Europa Conference, were all sort of safely into the next step. If you know what I mean, so that they, they, they would get into because of the league. Um, yes. Uh, coefficient so it's yes. only Monaco that's going through qualifying but we've now dropped down from playoffs to third qualifier entry exactly. because of things and stuff yeah it's very confusing um, I'm just say you're in pot three 
in the Champions League. So I think they're in the champ, and then you've got PSG in pot one, and then you've got Monaco. If they but then they've still got to play. If they beat PSV, then they've got to play Rangers. If Rangers get through the gate, if you know, even though they're two down at the moment, so yeah, it's a shame that you know Monaco have got PSV because it's you know a good result, you know, draw last uh, last night, but. You, know, you want to see the best teams in Europe, and I think that's the one area I think that's looking to, with the change of format is going to be happening soon. That you know you'll yeah. see the, the the teams finishing well in France and in Spain, and that you know they, they go in there. Yeah. I think it's only if you lose in the playoff you would go down to the Europa. Yeah. Rather, so, if you lose in the third qualifying round, you're out. Yeah. So, and confusing, that's isn't it? the that's the problem with losing those coefficient points and dropping down that level. Can we have the good old days back where this team went to Champions League, this team went to UEFA Cup, and if they won, they won. If they, if they lost, they were out. It's so much more easier. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem a little bit a little bit um, confusing. So to so, answer your, your main question, Chris, I have no <laughs> idea because I, I'm struggling to keep up with where all they, where they all are. So yeah. it's a matter of when the fixtures come out and the groups are drawn marvellous, then... Let, let me we, let me we can, we can look at it. I think Nantes are going to struggle. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, let me put it a different way. Who who of the if you picked out Marseille, Nantes, Monaco, uh, we'll leave out PSG because we know that's their focus. But if you picked out the others, um, who needs a European run more? Because I would argue that, that yeah, I was just going to say Marseille are probably going to be the ones because they need to go deep in that competition. Surely. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. And speaking they of interesting, need it, but whether they'll get it is is a whole other question. Yeah, it depends on how long Tudor lasts. I, I presume. Um, just before we come on to the summer of the women's Euros, and Phil's been to that, so she can tell us all about her experiences there. Mm. One other thing I, I have to ask you, Adam, is um, in terms of both your professional career, in terms of broadcasting, how it's going to affect you. But we have a World Cup in in uh, in the, the end of the year, or at the end of the year, so you've got proper grammar there. How do you feel, I mean, how, how is it going to affect you, I guess, for starters? I don't know if you're planning to go over there. Um, but how does it, how do you feel that's going to affect the French season? Because we, we are going to see French clubs playing over Christmas, I believe, for the first yeah. time this season. And, you, you know, you, when you're looking at players like Mbappe and, and Neymar and Messi, they're all very key to their European clubs' uh, fortunes. Do you feel like we're going to get a drop-off in quality in the league, either pre- or post-World Cup? I think so, because I think, you know, when you look at players' form, the, the way that they finish, the, the World Cup should be on now. So you're kind of just on a momentum of finish the last game of the season and then all of a sudden you, you probably have like three or four days off and then you meet up with your, with your countries and then and then it goes again really so this is going to be different I know England are, are very much different because we don't tend to get a, a Christmas break in the Premier League where France and Italy and Spain they do so I think it's going to be interesting to see I think more how the players come back in the second half of the season uh, with the ones that go to the World Cup because they're key players for their clubs um, and they're going to be key players for their countries. As you mentioned, Paris Saint-Germain, they, they want those best players. I think that there will be an element of not wanting to get injured mm. um, going into that World Cup at, at the timing of it. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see. And that's where I was talking about the opportunity because Paris Saint-Germain have so many players that are involved in that World Cup that are 
key to their success. That's where sometimes when I look, they give you chances um, that the teams can certainly capitalise on that and stay with them. And hopefully that little bit of form maybe in around the October time um, could be a little bit indifferent because the players will certainly have their minds on the World Cup, not wanting to get injured. You know, it could, you know, it's going to be Messi's last World Cup. It could be Neymar's last World Cup. So, you know, those players in particular um, can certainly do that. But it'd be really, really interesting to see, I think, more how Liga adapts to come back after a World Cup because the break will, you know, the, the, the key players will be missing earlier. And how can they then continue after playing a, an intense World Cup in hot conditions um, different time difference and everything to then come back to the second half of the season, the Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League, um, to to finish strongly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a weird one. Are you are you going to that or, or doing no, any? because I because I, I do the National League on BT. The National League's still going, so we'll you know I'll, I'll just continue working and and just watching watching the games um, as and when really. So. Um, yeah. But no, I'll, I'll be watching it from England uh, because the National League is continuing on BT. So I'll, I'll just continue to do that and and watch the games if and when I can. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be weird, isn't it? It's going to be really weird. And I, I just hope, I think Phil and I have discussed this before, just hope it goes safely because there's a lot of concerns over various things over there. So do you just hope people come back and indeed arrive safely? Um you you arrived in the UK safely over the summer, Phil. You you got to go to some of the women's Euros. And ah, it wasn't to be for France. Yeah. Can I stop stop you there? You may. Um, I didn't actually make it to the opening game for which I had tickets due oh, to uh, you know, various reasons. I don't move around so well anymore, and I was knackered after two four days travelling. So I actually watched the opening game. Uh, sitting on my friend's sofa while they were at Old Trafford watching my game. And I feel very silly because this was the entire reason for planning this becking holiday in the first place. But it was lovely. And what was really weird was I, I, because I live in France and I watch all the football on French TV. And so actually coming back to the UK and watching a lot of the Euros in English, it, it was kind of weird, but it was kind of brilliant as well. So I think um, over the summer, as well as the women's use, I just want to mention some of the uh, kids' games. Mm. First, we had the under-17 men's Euros mini France uh, won that, beating uh, Netherlands 2-1 in the final. A, two goals in two minutes from La Havre's Sayo Kumbedi. Uh, to win that one and impressively France also won the Toulon tournament or I think it's now called the Tournoi Maurice Rivello because Toulon won't host it anymore but uh, they beat Venezuela to one um, goals from Mar Monaco's Akusha and that was particularly impressive despite being their 13th win ever because there was an another under-21 team uh, playing in the under-21 Euro qualification, which they basically risked. Um, so a very good showing from the youth teams over the summer. For the women, yes, they got to a semi-final, but oh, there was a sense of 
missed opportunity there. I mean, it started brilliantly with that first half against Italy, five goals, looked awesome, absolutely brilliant. And then everything after that was kind of tough, right? And I, I tweeted about this, that I didn't want to have to write the article again I wrote in 2011, 2012, 2013, about France taking so many shots but not converting. And we saw that throughout the tournament. They were bossing the shooting, but they weren't doing it sensibly. And we saw with Bruno Bini, um, he just wasn't managing them well. With Bergerou, he wasn't managing them well. Deshwafi wasn't managing them well. And while Corinne Diacre is was a, a very good player and seems tactically a better manager it hasn't made the difference and I think what has made the difference is that Corinne Diacre is maybe not the best woman manager in the world because possibly having Amandine Henry arguably one of the best players in the world in midfield would have helped which Henri uh, has moved out of the team because she doesn't get on with Diacre and usually Lazoma Similarly, and you might say, well, the normal would only be a backup player. Well, that's fine. But if Marie-Antoinette Cototo, who is the person around whom the entire attack is built, gets injured and ends up commentating on TFL instead of playing in the becking match, you have a problem. You have a serious problem. And I think if those two players hadn't been sidelined, there would have been much more organisation and linking together of the parts of play. And it was really frustrating. Looking at the numbers, their conversion rate, if you exclude that Italy game, because Italy didn't bother defending, was under 6%. That's not good. They conceded to Belgium, who managed two shots in the entire game, only one on target. There was that sense, again, of not having the confidence and not having the organisation to do what the quality of the players suggest. And I I thought it was disappointing. I mean, I know getting to a semi-final and losing to Germany isn't kind of, in the greatest scheme of things, bad, but the way it happened going through that group, it just, it didn't inspire confidence and it showed when you got to the knockout stages. So a little bit sad about all of that. Yeah, yeah. And and on, on the, because uh, I must, must confess, I have had a busy summer. I didn't catch a lot, I will be honest. But what I did notice was being in the UK and obviously the, the women's um, national team winning it, would you say that it's been a, a really positive step forward in the right direction for the women's oh, game in general. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, the, there's been um, the degree of uh, sometimes looking at um, crowd numbers isn't that helpful because sometimes they're put in stadiums which just can't host that many people. But when you look at the amount you got for the first game for the last game, awesome and it was obviously it was on BBC in the UK over here in France uh, 
a lot of the games were on TFL, so available to everybody, not just the French games, and pretty much all of them were on Canal Plus, so you could watch them if you have a subscription. And I think that's um, kind of replicated in many other countries as well, that it was way easier to watch this. When, you know, people, I say people, I mean men, on Twitter going like nobody watches it. It's like, well, we would if we could. Mm. And so this really made a difference. And I have to say, I love my parents to bits. They are football fans, but sitting with them on my holiday and my dad saying to my mum, quick turnover, Sweden versus Switzerland is starting in five minutes, <laughs> made my heart sing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's been great for the women's game. I think it's been great for talking about different levels of things and organising and the um, investments that's needed and the accessibility that's needed for everybody to be able to play football when they're at school. And also Ellen White celebrating the sweet Caroline. I think I'm in love. So yeah. there you go. And that iconic image in the final as well. Um, be unfair of me to not give you a chance to to give some praise as well, Adam. Obviously, like you said, you're a former professional. You know what it takes to to win big matches at the big stages. It's a huge step forward for both the women's game and and arguably the game as a whole, isn't it? Like the coverage it got and the the sort of the positivity that it that it raised, and it and it just does show that we are in a changing world and some things are positive out there. Is it, is it sort of a, a good experience for you being an Englishman as well? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I run my own football academy in Brighton and, you know, already the uptake of girls wanting to come along because what, what we found with the, with the, with the academy setup is that not many girls want to play with the boys and they kind of want to stay together. So we've now separated having the girls sessions on their own, the girls holiday camps on their own so they can, really integrate together really, really well. And even the uptake from the, the final is, is being that is massively great. significant that, you know, great they watch the final. Him. Yeah. You know, they want to give it a go. And, you know, we try to promote it as much as possible here, but I just feel that they never quite had that, not you know, the role models and it, it was almost like a nervousness about it, but now it's being celebrated like, you know, England's, should celebrate success and I think that the opportunities to see other countries play in this in this country as well you know people may the girls may not know about you know the French uh, league you know, how well Leon have done over the years and you know the Spanish teams as well that they can now have people to look up to and they realize that you know probably France have got a strong team and Sweden have got a strong team and Germany have got a strong team so it will hopefully digress now that you know, the European teams will get more interest. So when Chelsea play Leon in the Champions League, that there'll be a big crowd there to watch because that's how the, the progression is going to be built over a, a small period of time. And I think that it's, it's great to see that the girls have just been given that opportunity and chance. And the final proved that, you know, 17 million watched it in England. I think um, it was 80 odd, 70,000 there. I think it was a record attendance. Um, and these girls now have role models, which we had growing up, you know, when I was growing up, you know, my role models were you know, the likes of Paul Gascoigne, David Beckham. Um, and now the girls have that to, to look up to. And it's really important that the Premier League, the FA build on this and it's opportunities in schools as well. It's not necessarily the academies or the clubs that have already got um, 
stability of out there it's the schools that need funding the most because not everybody can afford to go to academies not everybody can afford to keep going to these clubs all the time it's the funding within the schools where the basis of this could certainly happen mm. to make it build a lot more in england and build it quickly because the wsl is there but that needs to be backed even more to to get you know the coverage and, and to get families in uh, for good pricing whether or not the premier league one day have the women's on first and then the men on afterwards, like Formula One have F2 first and then they have F1 at the same time, whether or not that can be something that could be integrated over a period of time that you get two tickets for one, um, for, sorry, two games for one ticket. Um, I think that might help because we we do it in the National League. We have the uh, FA Trophy and the FA Vars final and you can buy one ticket and you get to watch both games for, for £20 or whatever. So if you can do that, then I'm sure people will go along early and watch the women play and then watch the men afterwards or vice versa. They do it in the cricket in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's an idea that, that maybe the football could look into. Yeah. yeah. I think um, one just one other thing that Adam was mentioning about you know, being more aware of uh, teams in other places. I think the uh, increase in the women's transfer market also makes this more interesting. It used to be that, you know, the the English league had English players and the French league was mostly French players. We've now got big players moving from Spain, France, Germany to England, to Italy. And I think that really makes a difference as well because it means that, you are more aware of um, this working as any other kind of football setup. And, you know, the amount of players who now desperately want to go to Barcelona because they're so cool. It used to be that was Leon's thing. So now Leon have had to react to that. So that also, I think, it becoming more business-like. Um, makes a difference. We shouldn't remember, uh, forget, of course, that not all of the clubs in the top leagues in each country are professional. You see a massive drop off in France between the the you know the top two and and the following four and the rest who are basically amateurs playing for two hundred euros a match. But that does make a difference when it comes to the organisation and the competitiveness across those different European leagues, which then feeds into more familiarity with the players who are in the national teams. Yeah, I think, I think you perfectly summed it up. And, and what a boost it gives to, to sort of, you know, the, the diversity of the game, the, the way it's covered, the amount of, obviously we've got a lot of female pundits now, which is fantastic. And there's just... There's just been nothing negative, which is why I really hope this World Cup in the men's team doesn't undo all that good work in terms of the 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 way the game is put across and the fact that it should be inclusive for all. And and we should celebrate those those victories because they're not little anymore; they're massive victories, and that's really important. And um, and by the way, if anyone knows where I can still get hold of the the women's French home kit, I'll I'll gladly take one because that, that <laughs> was a thing of beauty. And now apparently they're making the women's kits in men's sort of cuts. So I don't have to breathe in quite as much anymore, which is lovely. So I might have to get one of those. But um, fantastic stuff from both of you there. Just before we wrap up, because we will sort of call it a day in terms of our our quote unquote preview show, because the the action does come in on Friday. I will run down the fixtures very quickly in a moment. But just before I do, um, I'm just going to ask you, I'm not going to be mean and throw you under the bus and say I want a player or anything like that. I'm just going to ask you, 
both the same question. What is the one thing that you're looking forward to most from from the league our season resuming? Um, Adam, probably your work is is probably quite a key thing, but is there one thing that you're really looking forward to this season? Sorry, in terms of looking in, in terms of league out. Yeah, whether it be a player or a club or you know a, a new sort of change, whether it might just be the fact we've got four down this season is going to make it competitive, but just something yeah, that you already. I, I think what I always, we, we, I look for every season is the you know the up the up and coming players, the young players like you know Badia Shield, you know these players that are kind of twenty, a little bit, you know, you get that early experience that. You want to see them do well in Europe. You know, you see like Chuameni, someone like him that gets that big move to, to Real Madrid. That's that's what I always look forward to every season when I do Liga for BT is the young players. Because for me, it's the best league in Europe to give young players opportunities and give young players game time. And, and that's what I look for most that, you know, these little rough diamonds that we find time in, time out, you know, your Kakadays. Badia Shields, I mentioned, you know, you're Mbappe's back in the day. I know he's inexperienced, but you know, these young players, that, that's what I look for every single season that come through to be given an opportunity to, to take the league by storm, whether it's a goalkeeper, a midfielder, a defender or a striker. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. And um, same question to you, then, Phil, uh, aside from podcasting with us, naturally, because, you know, that's the highlight of anybody's week, of course. But anything that you're really intrigued by or, or a, a sort of particular no, I focus? I think um, what, what Adam said is is great. We're, we've seen so many good young players come out and they come from love. They come from Rance. They come from Nantes, not necessarily the big teams. And that's really interesting. So what I really want to see as well as that is a degree of competition this year. And I know it's it's always a bit like, well, there's PSG and then who's fighting for the podium. I, if we could have some form of fight, that would be great. I think, as you say, the, the four down, two up, change is going to make uh, the bottom half of the table maybe a bit more fraught so people who are in maybe the Vendrou are going to take things a bit more seriously and not just coast because there's more jeopardy but at the top of the table I really hope for more competitiveness um, so there is something to get behind and you know, PSG aren't eight points ahead at the, the end of August, as somebody mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And I echo both those things. The, the young players is always something I can... Whenever someone throws me that Farmers League slur, I always go, well, you just tell me how many other leagues have produced this many young players in the last 10 years. And, and it mysteriously I just goes don't quite understand high. why Farmers are bad. I mean... Mm. I think it's just something just caught on, isn't it? Oh, it's a really potato nice. field thing. It's whatever. I mean, I'm looking forward to having AC Jatia back in the top because you might see some some feistiness there. So the opening game of the season, which I'm yes. going to list them out, Lyon versus Jatia. Yes, Friday night. That could be fiery. So yes. we'll yeah. see. I'm very much. Uh, I'm actually going to miss. Um, I, I've I've made a very I've made a severe and continuous uh, judgment, uh, lack of judgment in my what, what's the fact I can't remember what I can't remember what the phrase used was, but uh, I've made an error. I've booked a cruise on uh, on Friday night, and it's not to the Bahamas. It's just to the local 
um, marina or around the bay because I'm going to go dolphin watching on Friday night. And I completely forgot that not only is Ligue 1 back, but Arsenal are the first game of the Premier League as well. So I've made a real error there. But I, I will catch up. I really hope you see some dolphins. So do I. I'm going to case, otherwise... <laughs> That's going to be embarrassing. What, a, what an error. What an error. But yeah, hopefully it'll be lovely. Um, it's a sunset cruise, so I'm looking forward to it. But I will have maybe the phone and the, the earplugs in to check out on the games. Um, but you mentioned that game is Friday night. Leon against Ajaxio on uh, Saturday. We've got the early game Strasbourg Monaco, which looks quite tasty. And then we've got uh, Clermont PSG as the evening game. And then on Sunday, we've got Toulouse against Nice is the 12pm UK time game. Angers against Nantes, Lille, Auxerre, Montpellier, Troyes, Lens, Brest are the 2pm games. And then we've got a Breton derby for Lorient as they open up their new season under the new coach. That's away at Rennes and uh, Marseille on a Sunday night game. Who'd have thought uh, they face Rass? Are you covering any of those games this weekend? Yeah, I'm on the Marseille fans game. I was meant to be doing Lyon, but Clive asked to change. So I've, I've been moved to Sunday. So I've, I've been tending to do the most Fridays. I've, I've got um, two Sundays this month and then I'm doing the other two Fridays. Um, I think one of them was Lille Nantes and PSG Lille, I think. Um, so Excellent. yeah, so Sunday Sunday night, I'll be on Marseille Rams. Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, I am planning. I'm, I'm planning to finally make the trip to to Lorient this this season. So I'm hoping to do it in and around Christmas. I've just got to work out whether my French is going to be good enough to get me off the ferry on the other side. So I'll, I'll work on that. But um, I'm finally going to hopefully go over there and and enjoy a game. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, we've mentioned it before, Adam. But yeah, if people want to find you, so it's BT Sport. I think it's BT Sport One, isn't it, in the UK? Which I think yeah, it's BT Sport One. Yeah. Um, and you'll be across all the games across the league and season. And as you mentioned, the non-league as well throughout BT. Any other projects you've got coming up or anything else that you want to mention? Uh, I've got Premier League at the end of the month. Um, still doing MLS for, for Sky. Um, of course, yeah. So I still do that. And yeah, I've got the FA Cup coming up for ITV in November. Um, so yeah, keeping busy. Thank you. Excellent. Good stuff. We will certainly welcome you back on whenever time permits. So thank you very much for coming aboard with us this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And uh, Phil, good good to be back, isn't it? It'd be nice to, to be yes. able to talk oh, some football um, again. One thing I have to mention, we will have a piece up tomorrow from John Mainland who looked at everything below the league um, and where that finished up in France. And frankly, we all tried to keep track of the Bordeaux thing and we think we got it now so that's good excellent yes and, uh, and I'll be keeping very close tabs on uh, Mara who's joined Southampton who I had a little bit of a thing for at Bordeaux I like him a lot so I'll be watching him closely uh yeah good luck to Bordeaux um in there well I say good luck I mean Christ knows what's going to happen next but I think we all hope that they do stay in business so do give that a look if you get a chance that'll be on our website um our Twitter account we, we will be using it um, as regular, basically. I did I just actually suddenly remember that I did get asked, asked a question on the Twitter feed, which uh, I'd be very rude not to answer. I'm really hoping nobody else has asked me a question, otherwise we're here forever. No, it was a quick question from um, uh, Algagio, who's a colleague of mine I've spoken to for another pod before. Um, he wanted to ask me how much we were looking forward to watching Joe Roden uh, score the winner against Lorient this weekend. Um Go away. I, 
<laughs> he's a Spurs fan um but I, I wanted to give him a mention because he does listen to the pod so thank you sir uh yeah I know you're trying to troll me that's just rude but no he said in all seriousness what further action um do Ren need to take to make steps toward Champions League qualification I think Jez put it perfectly in terms of Ren's preview for this season so maybe uh keeping hold of those key players um is going to be Absolutely. If they can keep that holy trinity, they'll be all right this season. Um, But yeah, I think I I suspect clubs will be circling come the end of the window, which I think closes at the end of August, doesn't it? So we've got a long month ahead. Ugh, the joy. Anyway, that's for another day. Um, But yes, thank you to anyone who does get in touch. Twitter feed, website. Our podcast will probably be roughly Mondays we'll try and keep it as regular as we can obviously life gets in the way sometimes but we'll try and keep it to a Monday as best we can for this season and uh, and obviously if anything dramatic happens that we need to do any specials on we'll keep you posted but my thanks to Adam uh, to Jazz, of course who's had to leave early this evening and of course to Phil thank you very much for your time much appreciated thank you and uh, we will be back after the first weekend of the Liga season so do tune in oh, exciting um, I know. Make sure that uh, you stream BT in a, a non-piratical manner. I'm sure Adam will, will <laughs> thank me for saying that. Pay your subscription fees, people. But yeah, if you do have BT Sport, please do check into the footage and the coverage that they provide. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to go down all the action. It's good to be back. So whatever you're doing this weekend, enjoy your French football. And we'll speak to you very soon.